Hook em up with he and Rod P. Brought to you by Bud Light on the Horn. Yes, sir, and yes, ma'am. You had better get them up, get them going. It's Wednesday on Hook 'em Up with Ian Rod B. It's the 29th of November, and a lot to talk about. The uh, college football playoff rankings, the penultimate rankings out last night, and uh, Longhorns sticking and staying where they've been. Uh, we'll debate. I know there's some frustrated Longhorn fans out there not to see the Horns move up after a 50-point thrashing of Texas Tech last Friday night. Longhorns still sitting at number seven. We'll talk about the uh, path to the Final Four. First things first, though, for the Longhorns, a Big 12 championship at stake coming up Saturday morning in Arlington, Texas, and uh, a lot of conversation in and around that game as well. Uh, we'll go through plenty of college football. Uh, also, NFL Cowboys kick off the uh, week 13 coming up Thursday night, tomorrow night, opening up a uh, big stretch for them. We'll certainly talk, talk plenty of NFL. NBA in-season tournament is now down to its final eight and a big developing story out of Dallas involving Mavericks owner Mark Cuban. Get you some details on that as we get this thing cranked up uh, on a Wednesday morning. Also, uh, more Longhorn conversation as well and everything else as we get you cranked up. We appreciate you being there. However, you are finding us this morning, uh, maybe on 1019 FM. Uh, always available there on the FM dial, also on AM 1260, and uh, more and more of you following us and listening on our Horn app, which we appreciate you doing, downloading it to your smartphone or however you find that Horn app and listening with a touch of a button wherever you are in Central Texas and all over Texas and all over the world. We appreciate you doing that on the Horn app and always at hornfm.com as we get you rolling this morning. Appreciate you being there. Rod B, once again out. He is still under the weather and uh, hoping to get an update. Uh, Ty, I don't know if you heard from, from, from Rod yesterday. Ty Henderson, our producer, back at the Horn headquarters on the banks of 360. I'm coming to you live from the South Austin Onion Creek Studios. Ty, did you uh, hear anything from, from RB yesterday? I have not. I, I assumed he was probably still dealing with uh, some major symptoms yesterday, so I was, thought the best thing yeah. to do would be let him rest. Uh, we got a note from Rod yesterday or late, late, that uh, COVID positive, COVID positive for our man RB. So um, that fever that we were talking, told you about yesterday, um, you know, we're just crossing our fingers for Rod. He's going to be okay, but uh, he can get back with us just as soon as he can. So uh, rest up and uh, get ready and better there, RB. So yeah, Rod uh, testing positive coming out of the holidays and uh, we root the best for him. So Rod will be here. But coming up at the bottom of the hour, our friend Nick Shuley, uh, president of the live music movement, of course, but also the founder of the Clark Field Creative on the NIL front for Texas. Uh, does a great podcast about Texas basketball with two legendary Texas basketball players, Nick does. Also, uh, all things Longhorns and uh, all things Austin with Nick. He'll join us uh, about 6.30. He's making his way over here. He'll join us for the remainder of the show. Ty is here as well. So it should be a lively Wednesday conversation. We appreciate you being there. We also appreciate your conversation. Uh, fired up on the text line, 512-447-3776. How you do it? Always appreciate uh, hearing your thoughts on the big stories of the day and uh, your opinions, including this college football playoff rankings, which I know there'll be a lot of opinions on. Longhorns did not move at all. Uh, Ohio State still ahead of them. We'll talk about why that's not a huge deal in my mind. Uh, the Oregon situation there uh, is, is puzzling, but the uh, college football playoff committee has made it pretty clear they think Oregon is the best one-loss team, whether the numbers bear that out or not. Uh, not sure if they're going with eye test or uh, metrics, but it uh, doesn't make much sense as far as the data. Uh, Texas should be the highest-ranked one-loss team, in my opinion, but uh, right now they are not. So we'll talk about that coming up uh, and how the Longhorns do still have a path to the college football playoff. Heck, I mean, it's, uh, it's, this is the 10th year tie of the college football playoff and the final year of the college football playoff. Next year we'll have a 
um, you know, ne by next year, Ty, I mean, you think about the, the massive seed change in college football that's coming. Uh, this year we'll wrap up with championship weekend uh, and, and with, with a lot of drama involving the four-team playoff because there are eight, eight teams all the way down to Alabama. Uh, Texas hit seven. I mean, all, all, all the top eight have a shot to make the Final Four, and that's pretty dramatic. We've not had this many contenders going into the championship weekend before, and now that will make it compelling football all on starting Friday night into Saturday and certainly on Saturday night with that triple header of championship games that everyone will be glued to. Uh, but obviously, you know, when this wraps up and they, we get to the semifinals and the Final Four, next year, Ty, we've got uh, – you, you'll go from five Power Five conferences down to four with the evisceration of the Pac-12, essentially. Um, all of the other four Power Conferences will be growing, including, you know, Texas and Oklahoma to the SEC starting in 2024. The Big Ten will add the four schools from the Pac-12, USC, UCLA, Washington, and Oregon. And, of course, the Big 12 will lose Texas and Oklahoma, but will add, you know, the four corner schools out there, Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, Colorado, to the current uh, group. So a lot of change coming. Next year it will be a 12-team playoff. Uh, and a lot of change. So uh, I would say frustrated or not, teeth gnashing or not about the Longhorns and where they stand, uh, enjoy it. Enjoy this weekend because this is the last one uh, that you're going to be treated to. It was the BCS and, you know, only two before. Now you've, they've stretched it out to a four-team tournament, and now 10 years later they're going to the 12-team tournament. But uh, it's going to be compelling football this weekend, Ty. There's no doubt about that as we start looking forward to a championship Saturday, which begins Friday night with the Pac-12 championship game, Oregon and Washington. Go get your Louisville gear now. It's looking more and more Go likely. Get, yeah, yeah. Get on the uh, what we have Cyber Monday. Get on the uh, uh, the Amazon thing and order some some Cardinal T-shirts or something. I don't know, but yeah, Longhorns need Louisville pretty bad. Uh, but there are other scenarios. We'll talk about it. And it's uh, it's one of those things you you're trying to, to to you know it's a puzzle. It's a puzzle. You got eight teams and you got four spots. So you're trying to you know play scenarios that can get the Longhorns there. And obviously there are scenarios where the Longhorns have no shot and no chance, even with a big win on Saturday against Oklahoma State. Uh, but there is still a chance. What's that movie, Ty? You're, you're saying there's a chance. And the Longhorns do have one. But first things first, they've got to win a football game coming up on Saturday. So, yeah, get your Longhorn gear. Good point, Ty, uh, as we get this. Well, let's get to your uh, – before we get to the headlines, let me mention those who serve. We appreciate you very, very much. Uh, certainly in our, in our first responders, our military, up early with us and uh, cl cranking it in on the Horn app or however you're finding us. Appreciate you doing that as you are uh, – serving the people and there's so many ways to serve our friend Colonel Craig Flowers who was with us yesterday got good to check in with him yesterday talking leadership and culture and all types of uh, college football related things but uh, Colonel always reminds me he has served 25 years in the U.S. Army uh, made full Colonel but says uh, you don't have to serve the military to serve your community there are so many ways you do and so many of you do and we appreciate that uh, school teachers first responders uh, folks up early of hospitals doctors and nurses uh, thank you very very much as you get up and out this morning always like to to uh, give you that tip of the cap. And as we always say, if you would like to uh, honor a first responder in your life that needs a, or you think deserves a little shout out, hit us on the text line, 512-447-3776. We'll certainly be happy to do that, whether it's a, uh, one of our first responders, uh, officer of the law, uh, school teacher, whatever it might be as we crank this thing up. And certainly our members of the military who serve us uh, throughout the great state of Texas, all over the world, all over the country and all over the world. Uh, so we can do what we do uh, while they volunteer to do what they do all right Ty, let's get to the headlines trending topics to start your wednesday morning <laughs> top gun rentals and lawn equipment bring it to you we'll start with the college football and as we mentioned uh, college football playoff as we know it four teams going out with a dramatic bang in its 10th and final season with eight teams in, in 
at least a view of making the Final Four and playing for a national championship. The penultimate CFP rankings were released last night. Georgia holds on at number one. Michigan up to number two after beating Ohio State last Saturday. Washington, unbeaten Huskies are third. Unbeaten Florida State is four. Oregon remains the highest ranked one loss team at five. Ohio State slips to six. Texas is again seventh with Alabama at eight. Final pieces of the puzzle will be played starting Friday night. Washington meets Oregon in the Pac-12 championship game. Then on Saturday night, triple header, Georgia faces Alabama in the SEC championship game in Atlanta. Michigan meets Iowa, Big Ten championship game in Indianapolis. And Florida State plays 14th-ranked Louisville in Charlotte. Earlier in the day, of course, in Arlington, Longhorns can make their final case. They take on 18th-ranked Oklahoma State in the Big 12 championship game. 11 a.m. kick, 11-1 Longhorns will meet. A 9-3 Cowboys team that stumbled into the season at 2-2, two two, but after their bye week found their way and won 7-8 of eight to reach the title game for the second time in three years for their head coach, Mike Gundy. Quite an honor for one of the Longhorns best yesterday, senior defensive lineman Tavondre Sweat, named one of the three finalists for the 2023 Outland Trophy by the Football Writers Association of America. The Outland Trophy awarded annually for the nation's top interior lineman. The recipient of the 78th Outland Trophy will be announced during ESPN's Home Depot College Football Awards next week. Sweat is the eighth Longhorn all-time to be named a finalist. Three previous Texas greats have won the award. Brad Shearer was the last way back in 1977. Tommy Nobis won it in 1965. Scott Appleton way back in 1963. Senior from Huntsville is also a semifinalist, by the way, for the Chuck Bednarik Award and the Walter Camp Player of the Year Award. What a year for Tavondre Sweat. Honors for the fifth-ranked Texas volleyball team as well. Junior outside hitter Madison Skinner named the conference's big, uh, the Big 12 Conference Player of the Year yesterday after a vote of the league's coaches. The junior from Katy is on joined by Asia O'Neill on the All-Big 12 first-team volleyball squad, while Ella Swindell landed on the All-Rookie team. Longhorns are 22-4 overall for head coach Jared Elliott. They're the number two, a number two seed in the NCAA Women's Volleyball Championship, which starts this weekend. Major developing news story out of Dallas in the NBA. According to Shams Sharnia of the Athletic, Mavericks owner Mark Cuban has agreed to sell a majority stake of the team to the widow of a Las Vegas casino mogul. Cuban will reportedly sell a large portion of his stake at a valuation of $3.5 billion, but will maintain full control of basketball operations. Miriam Adelson, the widow to Sheldon Adelson, sold $2 billion worth of stock in the in in the Las Vegas Sands Corporation on Tuesday in order to facilitate the purchase, according to Bloomberg. Cuban has been a majority owner of the Mavericks since 2000. He will retain operational control in this unusual agreement. He will also retain a strong stake in the team. Uh, on the floor last night, Mavericks held off Houston 121-115. Luka Doncic scored 41. Uh, also last night, the group stage of the NBA's inaugural in-season tournament came, in, uh, came to an end. We now know who the eight teams will move to the knockout stage are. This coming Monday, Indiana will host Boston. And then New Orleans will visit Sacramento. On Tuesday, the Knicks will head to Milwaukee to face the Bucks. Phoenix will be in L.A. to face the Lakers in that knockout stage. Horn Headlines brought to you by Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment. Double up discounts this month by getting 5% off any rental or purchase of steel outdoor power equipment by donating two non-perishable food items from Capital Area Food Bank. TopGun.net will shoot you straight. They certainly will. Appreciate Brandon and the team at the Top Gun. And uh, there, there you go, full uh, headlines this morning. A lot going on there. That Mark Cuban story, interesting. Shams is out the story at The Athletic that uh, Mark Cuban you know, selling a major stake of that team but will maintain control. And I always use the word unusual because it is, Ty. Have you heard anything on this or dug into this? This is your team, the Mavericks. Mark Cuban's still going to be in control. But, man, he's going to make a bundle of money in this, uh, selling a large portion to the, to the widow of Sheldon Adelson. Uh, this is a, I'm not, I'm, the why is what, it, you know, obviously it's, it's an infusion of cash for Mark Cuban. He purchased a majority stake in the Mavericks way back in 2000 for a reported cost of $285 million. 
and now he's you know stands to net you know in the billions obviously for uh, the, the majority stake that. in the twelve times that. How about that? Is this is it, does this worry you or what? What's your your feel on this as a Mavericks fan? No, uh, no. I mean, it, it's definitely a unique deal. Uh, I don't think we've seen anything yeah. like it with him maintaining control of the team in the front office. So I'm not too worried. I think uh, maybe he just some of his Shark Tank deals have gone poorly in the past uh, few years. Maybe. <laughs> so he's cashing in now, but he still gets to run his team. I think that means more. Widow. I mean, he's, he obviously has his money. He's a billionaire. Um, if you can, if you, he, he was just in cash in at some point. If you can still maintain control, I feel like that's what he really cares about. We'll see how that yeah, goes moving forward, team. but, you know. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, Chan is in with us on the text line. Says, "Morning, y'all. Get well, Rod. That is absolutely true. Um, get well is absolutely what we're looking for. We'll take your thoughts on the uh, the fourteen playoff. Ty, you were of the thought that uh, Oregon, Texas, would pass Oregon last night, um, but that didn't happen. And Texas stayed right where they were. Uh, your argument, I think, is a solid one. I think every data point points to Texas being." Because, because look, until this weekend when everything settles and Sunday morning the dust will settle on who the Final Four are, um, you know, this whole thing is, is a fluid situation and it's about accomplishment to this point and, you know, your resume to this point. And, you know, there's not much argument for me. I mean, I, if you just do a little research and, and look at, um, you know, quality wins, uh, schedule, you know, strength of schedule, um, you know, record of, com- of of opponents. And now, as you pointed out yesterday, Oregon and Texas share a common opponent. Uh, both teams played Texas Tech, and Oregon survived at Texas Tech. And I know it looks like on the scoreboard it's an eight-point victory over the Red Raiders in Lubbock. And the same night Texas was beating Alabama, Oregon was playing uh, in Lubbock, and it was a 31-30 to game. The only reason they won that game tie was a, the, the Red Raiders missed a two-point conversion that would have tied the game. And then really late in the game, in a desperation situation, Texas Tech threw an interception and went back for a touchdown. That made it the 38-30 to margin of victory. It was really an even ball game. Longhorns, meanwhile, played Texas Tech and won by 50. Uh, so, I, you know, pretty clear the, Pac, the, the Pac-12 is having a great year. You know, a lot, a lot of depth out there, a lot of good teams, a lot of ranked teams in its final year. Uh, I don't know if that's part of it, but they, they continue to have Oregon ranked as the, the number one one-loss team, top one-loss team. Uh, I'm sure you were a little bit surprised by that last night when the uh, results were revealed, or at least the the uh, the, the latest list revealed. Yeah, uh, not not as surprised. I I, I mean, I, I think we all agree as Texas fans that with the common opponent, we should be ahead of them. But that Oregon Texas Tech game back and uh, early in the year, I if you remember correctly, you had Oregon or Tech to cover in that game. I had Oregon. Uh, I won a bunch of money on that backdoor fumble recovery at the end of the, ga- the game. I'm regretting. I'm regretting uh, being happy at, in that moment now because it looks like that's it's like I said earlier. It's going to come down to Florida State at this point. I, I think one of the Pac-12 teams is going to get in. One of the SEC teams is going to get in, and Michigan's going to get in. So, bar, barring a huge upset, I, I think that's what we're the scenario we're looking at. Agreed, agreed, and that's uh, yeah. I took a bad beat on that one. I didn't. Fortunately, unlike you, I didn't have any money on it. <laughs> I just uh, we made our picks on the show, and I, I picked uh, Texas Tech. Because remember, Texas Tech had lost to uh, Wyoming uh, to start the season. Then they turned around and they're playing week two against Oregon. And, you know, it was a heck of a game. I was, as I've told you, I do the in-game watch-along uh, for Inside Texas. So uh, I was doing it out at the field house at the crossover rod where they, or tie where they set me up in the back room. So I've got two big TVs going while I'm doing the, the watch-along, uh, watching the 
game with the fans and um, you know, crit- you know, talking about it in real time. But I was also watching that game and keeping an eye on it. It was a great game. It was back and forth, a uh, heck of a game. And obviously that's you know two months ago or three months ago. It's a lot of football ago. Uh, but, again, what, results matter. On the field matters. That's why this Alabama win for Texas is so huge. It's the best, non- it's the next best win any team has in the country. Um, and as Alabama keeps winning, it just keeps getting better. And I know they survived the Iron Bowl Saturday rivalry game with the uh, – you know, the last second touchdown on a fourth down. Uh, but still, it matters. You beat Alabama, and you now have a common opponent um, that should separate. But, you know, obviously there's – which I say obviously. Uh, my speculation is there's some regionality to this, that they want a West Coast team involved, and they, that's Oregon. Washington's out there undefeated. That's going to drive some, some in, big-time interest Friday night for the, uh, the championship game. You know, you know think about it, Ty. The, the, the question will be this. Uh, well, I, I don't even think it's a question. If Oregon beats Washington uh, Friday night, even if it's a one-point game, if they avenge the loss to Washington, because that's Oregon's only loss, was a loss in Seattle in October, and it was a narrow loss. It was a good football game. Uh, college game day was there. But if Oregon avenges that loss, and they're a nine-point, nine-and-a-half-point favorite on Friday night in that game, if they avenge it, they're in. I mean, I'm looking at that right now with them sitting at five and Washington sitting at three. You know, that's a, that's a play-in game. Winner is in the Final Four. Uh, I also think the SEC championship is a play-in game, Ty. I think the winner of that game, Georgia or Alabama, Georgia can solidify its spot as the number one seed with a win over Bama. If Bama wins, I think Bama will be in. And I think Georgia will tumble out of the Final Four. Uh, And that's because they're not going to get two spots this year. There's there's eight teams. There's too many. Um, You know, unless, you know, crazy chaos happens, I think Georgia tumbles and uh, Georgia falls out. Michigan's obviously in with a win over Iowa. And then Florida State becomes huge. But, um, you know, Louisville, it's only a two-point line right now. Uh, Florida State's playing with their backup quarterback. They did it with a lot of defense last week against uh, Florida. And Florida's not a good football team. And uh, Louisville, a much better football team than, than the uh, Florida Gators. So there is an opportunity there. But uh, I, I think the SEC the, uh, and the, the SEC game and the um, you know, Pac-12 game are playing games. The winner is in. Uh, and the loser is out completely. Uh, and obviously we know what's going on with the ACC. Would you be in agreement on that? Yeah, I, I, I think so. I mean, do you think there's any possibility that both SEC, SEC teams don't make it? Yes, I think it's a real possibility. I think, I think if Georgia loses, they're out. No, but no, both. Um, you think if, it, like, if Alabama wins, you think they could keep Alabama and Georgia out? No, they're not going to not have an SEC team in. That won't happen. <laughs> There's no way. Um, you know, but, but that, that buoys Texas, though. If Alabama wins that game, this is where this gets real interesting. And, and again, let's also say, uh, as we're cranked up here on, on Hook 'em Up, there is also a chance that for the first time ever there are four undefeated conference champions, and there's nothing Texas can do about that. Um, you know, you, if, if Georgia wins, Michigan, Washington were to beat uh, Oregon, and Florida State wins, and that's, that's four 13-0 teams. Uh, you know, that's, that's four champions of, a, of one of the, you know, there's five power five conferences. Essentially, Texas would be number five, and they'd be on the outside looking in if they beat Oklahoma State, and nothing you can do about that. There are scenarios in, though, but I do think if Alabama beats Georgia, to your question, uh, they will be in. And I don't know where they'll be seated. Uh, you know, one, two, three, or four, but I think Alabama would get in. I think that would buoy Texas because now Texas's win over Alabama is even more impressive because they just went and knocked off the number one team in the country, and that resonates with what Texas did, winning by 10 back in September in Tuscaloosa. Um, so, you know, the committee would have uh, quite the challenge. And as you said, get your Louisville gear because if Louisville wins, that's the spot. 
Um, you know, because if, if Oregon and Washington is a, is a play-in game, the SEC is a play-in game, Michigan's a heavy favorite over Iowa, those are the three spots that are, in my mind, locked up. Uh, the winners of those games, and, and I don't expect Iowa to be able to play with Michigan, so I'm putting Michigan in. Uh, those three spots are, are filled. The spot you're looking for is either, you know, needs to be Florida State losing to Louisville. That opens the spot and gives you, um, you know, an entry into the Final Four. I would also say, uh, you know, there's going to be pushing, there will be people pushing for Ohio State because Ohio State lost to Michigan in a close game on the road at Ann Arbor last Saturday in that great game. Uh, it, you know, but they're not playing this weekend. That's the problem for them. Uh, they need everybody to lose essentially to even have a shot at Ohio State. Um, and they're not, so they're not playing. So if Texas does handle business as a two-touchdown favorite and beats Oklahoma State Saturday, um, that, that bounces them up over Ohio State because it would give them two critical data points, would be a 12th win and a conference championship, which Ohio State cannot claim uh, either. Uh, so Texas takes, you know, takes the step forward there. You know, either Oregon or Washington are going to take a loss, which is going to drop them behind Texas. So Texas essentially, if they win, will be sitting at number five for sure. They hope they could slide up to four or three, depending on how things fall out. But that's at least the way I see it. We'll take your thoughts on it. Text line is available to you, 512-447-3776. We'll hear from Boo Corrigan coming up. Uh, Boo Corrigan, of course, is the, uh, the, the committee chair of the College Football Playoff Committee. Uh, he was asked last night about strength of schedule and what that means because the Longhorns have played a better strength of schedule than Oregon. They've beaten more bowl teams than Oregon. Um, they've got, um, you know, the best, better win than Oregon, without a doubt, with the win over Alabama. And, you know, they dominated a common opponent where Oregon struggled with the same common opponent. But uh, we'll hear Boo Corrigan's argument on, on why that is and why they're still ahead of Texas, and we'll take your thoughts on it. We'll also talk about Tavondre Sweat and hear from Tavondre Sweat. Congratulations to T. Sweat. I think he's got a real good chance to win this award uh, coming up. Nick Shuley will be with us coming up. Nick knows Tavondre very well, uh, has worked with him quite a bit, or at least been around him quite a bit with his work at the uh, – uh, the Texas One Fund and the Clark Field Creative. Uh, so Nick will weigh in on on this big year. Tavondre Sweat, how about that? How about a defensive tackle tie who has, you know, might win the Outland Trophy, might be the first Longhorn since the late 70s to bring home that, um, you know, top honor for an interior lineman, offense or defense. Uh, Scott, as I mentioned, uh, Brad Shearer, the last Longhorn to win that back in 1977. I was five years old. Uh, the last time a Longhorn took home that award. It's been given out every year for almost 80 years. Uh, T-Sweat has a chance to take that uh, next week. Also a finalist, not just for the Chuck Benaric Award, which is a defensive award. He has a strong chance there too. But Tavondre Sweat has uh, has been – he's a finalist for the Walter Camp College Football Player of the Year Award. Now, I don't think he's going to win that, but just to make the final nine there, Ty, just tells you what kind of impactful season the senior from Huntsville has had. It's pretty damn impressive. Yeah, I mean, we talked about it last week. I, I didn't even realize defensive players could win the Outland. So for him to be on the list, I would, I'd like well, – who was the last defensive player to even be a finalist? The Outland Trophy? I'll look it up. But, uh, you know, you, you can go to an off – because the, the the finalists are two offensive linemen in Tavondre, essentially. Yeah, I always uh, felt like I, it was a, a center guard kind of kind of award. Or at least that's, uh, that's how it was in NCAA football when I played back in the day. Oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> Well, maybe. I mean, I mean, I'll look at the history of the Outland Trophy and the, the percentages of offensive linemen versus defensive linemen, but it's always been an interior lineman, O or D. Uh, and you know, maybe traditionally it goes to the offense. You know, Lombardi Award is a similar award, too, that goes to the big fellas up front on both sides of the ball. They've expanded that, as Rod and I have talked about. They just keep kind of morphing these awards into, to include more positions, it feels like. Um, maybe to get more, get more exposure and some bigger names to bring attention. But same time, this, it doesn't diminish what Tavondre has done. There's been a decent uh, amount of to... defense tackles that have won it recently, actually. Jordan Davis in 21, 
Yes, uh, I went through those with Rod yeah, last week about when he made this. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it goes to, to big dudes up front on both sides of the ball. Uh, but to be there for the Walter Camp, and Walter Camp's a quarterback award, and probably a quarterback will win that. Um, but that's, uh, that's impressive. And remember, they also have the awards for, you know, Remington Awards for the best center. Uh, they, they really get specific on some of these. But that will all be uh, announced next week at the College Football Awards Show, the Home Depot Awards on ESPN. Tavondre will be there, and the Longhorns will have uh, a good amount of representation for that, which will be pretty cool. All right, here come the text. This says uh, Georgia will stop all the nonsense when they beat Bama's lucky ass. All right, there you go. Thank you, Bulldogs. Uh, hunker down. Um, the, the, that guy, Boo Corrigan's rationale was a joke. It's either blatant bias or incompetence. We'll let you hear from Boo Corrigan coming up. It says committee is against Texas. That's the problem. They've proven with the rankings Alabama game was too early in the season. Well, I mean, the Alabama game matters. Uh, and, you know, I know Longhorn fans are frustrated. And I think rightfully so. I mean, I don't. I mean, you, you, if, if, if Oregon gets in and, and wins and then they're the fourth-ranked team and, you know, Texas is right there behind them. Because here's the problem now. You're behind Oregon as is, and if they beat Washington, well, now they have on their resume a win over number three and undefeated, which, you know, almost equals your win over Alabama. Not, not, it's not there, but it's in real time, and it's going to be hard to overcome that with Oregon. So, as we say, Florida State needs to take a loss. Uh, or, as I say, Alabama needs to beat Georgia. And if Alabama beats Georgia, I think that also opens up a door uh, to a spot. But uh, it's going to be close. It's going to be close. Uh, but first things first, Longhorns have to beat Oklahoma State, and it wouldn't hurt to beat them handily uh, to, to kind of put a, a comfortable win on the board, which hasn't been the case in the Big 12 title game the last several years. Last couple of years have come down to goal line stands. It was overtime with K-State and uh, TCU last year. Um, we know the year before was Oklahoma State and Baylor. That went to the goal line. Uh, this game has typically and traditionally not been a close game of late, uh, but uh, the line says 14, 14 and a half for Texas right now. So we'll dive back into that. Coming up, Brad, uh, Nick Shuley will join us. We'll get some what the facts for the end of the hour. We'll hear from Tavondre Sweat, one of his some of his best one-liners from this weekend, this week's uh, player availability. In addition to being a heck of a defensive tackle, Tavondre is a funny guy and has a great personality. We hear from Tavondre coming up uh, as we roll on. We're, we're getting you up over the hump here. A midweek. Wednesday conversation on Hook 'em Up with Ian Rodby on 1019 AM 1260. Stream us on your Horn app all over the world and at hornfm.com. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook 'em Up 1019 AM 1260. The Horn. Yeah, rooting for our buddy Rod Babers, who, uh, as we told you to start the show, in the COVID protocol now, having tested positive. Uh, I told him he had a fever when he let us know on, on Monday that he wouldn't be in on Tuesday. And now uh, the positive, and he's going to be uh, hopefully okay. And he'll be back with us just as soon as he can. It's heard that uh, we will be broadcasting live Saturday morning. You, know, you may be headed up to Arlington for the Big 12 championship game, the, the final for the Longhorns. Uh, we will too. The horn is on our way. And uh, appreciate our travel partners and presenting partner, One Source Gas of Central Texas, my buddy Richard Strever and his team at One Source. Uh, for all your compressed gas needs and all over Central Texas, uh, they're helping us. Uh, we're going to head up and uh, have shows Friday afternoon. Much like we did for the Texas OU game back in October, we'll be live at Terry Black's Barbecue in downtown Dallas, right on Main Street over in the Deep Ellum area. It's a great location, plenty of parking, great food, obviously. Uh, stuff your face full of amazing Terry Black's Barbecue, uh, and we'll be there. I will also be partnering with the guys at Inside Texas again, Bobby Burton and Jerry Hamilton. They're going to be hanging out doing a live stream, and then we'll do our um, at least my part of the pregame show with Ty and Patrick and hopefully Rod uh, from 4 to 7 on Friday afternoon. So, uh, and so if you're headed up, 
Come on out, Terry Black's Barbecue, have some dinner, hang out with us, say hi, talk Texas football. That's Friday afternoon, and then uh, if you're not coming up, just tune in and listen to it, and we'll get you great coverage. And the Inside Texas guys, it'll be a kind of a roundtable discussion of Texas football and all the things we're talking about. That'll be Friday afternoon. 4 to 7 at Terry Black's Barbecue in downtown Dallas in Deep Ellum. And we appreciate One Source Gas. Also, uh, on Saturday morning, I will be broadcasting live, and, uh, and we'll have full pregame coverage from 8 to 11. Uh, I'll be at the, the, a spot in Arlington called Jay Gilligan's, uh, which is a cool sports bar. It also shuttle. They have a shuttle service to the game. So if you want to uh, come out there and uh, you know, have some breakfast and get yourself ready, tailgate there, you can, uh, they have a shuttle over at AT&T Stadium, um, not far from there. They'll shuttle you back after the game, and your car will be fine, and you can leave from there. So Jay Gilligan's, just uh, Google that, and you're ways it, whatever. That's where I will be from 8 to 11 on Saturday morning while we broadcast our pregame show live from Austin and from Arlington. So we've got you covered thanks to Forest uh, Gas and, of course, Travis Tindall and the team at Hay City Store and Ice House and his new great restaurant, he and Tamara's restaurant in downtown Beautical Taste on Main. They're helping us get up there as our travel partner, One Source Gas is our presenting partner. All right, Rod, uh, Ty, a lot of uh, thoughts coming in on the text line on this college football playoff mess. Can we hear before I read some of these messages uh, from Boo Corrigan? Boo Corrigan is the committee head, right? There's 13 members of the college football playoff committee. They continue to have Oregon, a one-loss team, uh, ranked ahead of Texas. Uh, and here was a debate about that because, you know, Texas's strength of schedule is ninth. Oregon's is in the 60s. Um, you know, Texas, you know, has a much better win than Oregon can claim at any point of their season. Um, all the data points favor Texas, yet Oregon continues to be favor- ranked ahead of Texas. Here was that conversation about strength of schedule last night after they released the college football and revealed the college football playoff rankings. Looking at the one-loss the one lost teams, the highest-ranked one-loss team continues to be Oregon. Now Ohio State is slid in there um, ahead of Texas. But Texas has a strength of schedule that's about 40-plus spots better than Oregon's. They have more wins against uh, ranked teams by your rankings than, uh, than do the Ducks. Why is Oregon ahead of Texas? Yeah, Oregon has continued to dominate. Um, obviously, the loss to Washington early in the year, 36-33. But, uh, coming out of last week and the way they played an Oregon State team that we really respect as a group, held them to uh, seven points as opposed to 34, which they have averaged on the year. And, uh, you know, the, the season Bo Nix is having, um, 78% completion percentage. You know, they just continue to impress the committee with both the offense and the defense. What consideration was given to the common opponent that those two have? Texas beat Texas Tech by 50, and Oregon beat them by one possession. Yeah, we look at everything, as we've talked about each week that, that we've been here. You know, we're not relying on one single data point. One single game, we're looking at, you know, we're through 13 weeks right now and making sure that as we do go through it, uh, we are comparing everything. All right. Uh, did you hear an answer in there? I'm starting to get um, pissed off now about, about that, <laughs> that. Everything he meant, like the points per game, Texas has averaged more. Texas averaged 35 points a game. I can say, like they yeah. said, a, a very much more difficult schedule. That All those arguments don't make any sense whatsoever, if you, if you ask I know. me. Uh, look, uh, I – <laughs> It is frustrating, but here, and I've said this for three weeks now, or two weeks at least, the problem is being ranked behind them now doesn't matter, but I know it's frustrating, and you can get angry about it, and Ty is, and fans are, uh, and I don't think that answer was, I thought Reese Davis asked him the exact on-point questions, um, but it, it's pretty clear to me 
that the 13, this, these are human beings, Ty, and they use all the metrics, right? They, as you just heard Boo Corrigan say, and he's being booed by Longhorn fans, they simply think Oregon's better than Texas. I mean, at the end of the day, that's the only thing I can glean from it is they think, they think, they believe, right? You know I mean, it's not supposed to be the eye test, but they believe Bo Nix a better quarterback than Quinn Ewers. They think their defense is as good. Uh, and essentially they're saying that if Texas played Oregon on a neutral site, they, would, they think Texas, that Oregon would win the game. Um, to me, that's silly, and that's where if you're just using the data in the computer, that's where Texas would be ahead. Uh, but as I've said for a couple weeks now, if Oregon does beat Washington Friday night, they would have jumped Texas anyhow, in my opinion, because uh, Texas is only is, is playing Oregon State, is playing Oklahoma State in the Big Twelve title game. So that would give them, you know, if they were they got to beat or- uh, Washington, if they do, that gives them a huge data point that they don't have right now, which is a a, a win over a top three undefeated team. Uh, Texas has the win over Alabama, um, their only loss on the year, but uh, that would be a huge feather for Oregon, and that's why I just think, you know, it's frustrating as heck if you're a Texas fan of why. But it would be more frustrating to think about it this. If you were five and Oregon was seven, um, Ty, uh, and you're going into this weekend and you beat Oklahoma State and then Oregon, you know, beats Washington, avenges that loss and maybe beats them comfortably, they're going to jump you anyhow. Uh, and that would be even more frustrating if you were ahead of them and now they jumped you. I think they would jump them anyway because uh, they are that close, at least in the, in the committee's mind. Uh, I do think there's a regionality to it. I do think that, the you know, the – whether the TV networks and whatever would like to have a West Coast team represented here. They haven't had one in a while, and it's been a great year in the Pac-12. There have been a lot of eyeballs on that conference uh, with what's going on. So, Do we remember uh, a lot, like the last few times Pac-12 teams have been involved in, in these big-time big games? Oh, I know. They get blown Washington, out. Washington yeah, Huskies exactly. are the last one to get there with Chris Peterson, all the way back to Chris Peterson. Uh, look, I mean, okay. Here's one other thing. Do you think it has something to do with the? I mean, the playoff committee is made up of representatives from all different areas of the country and conferences, right? Yes. So does Texas really have? Yeah, I think anyone there's regionality. That That's what. Yeah, I think there's regionality to it. I really do. And and again, I think they believe that Oregon's a better football team. But uh, this is uh, they predetermine Oregon going in. Well, look, Oregon's got to beat Washington, and if they do, then their resume is very similar to Texas's in my mind. Uh, but yes, that's that's frustrating. But I, you know, there there is a regionality to it. I don't think there's any doubt about that. And and look, it's not to say Oregon's not a good football team. They are, um, and they are real good. Dan Lanning's doing a real good job. He runs the defense. Bo Nix is a sixth-year player quarterback. He does complete almost eighty percent of his passes. Um, so uh, it's I, frustrating. I, I, that's why I'm looking because look, if, if Washington beats Oregon, then Oregon's out, right? Oregon will be a two-loss team and. Uh, you don't have to worry about Oregon. Uh, just root for Washington. But I'm, that's why I'm looking at it as that's that's the play-in game. The winner of that game's in. Uh, you, you can complain about it, but the winner of the Pac-12 championship game Friday night will be in the Final Four somewhere. Um, Michigan will be in. Georgia, Alabama winner's in, and that's where there's one spot left. Somebody texted, and uh, gosh, we appreciate all the messages. So many coming in. This says, I feel like if Alabama beats Georgia, then both SEC teams would be, and I hate to say that, but I think it would be. I disagree with that. Yeah, I disagree with that. I will. I will. I mean, look, you don't know because this is these are human beings, and they're going to make the pick Sunday morning. If Alabama beats Georgia, and Texas handles Oklahoma State, that buoys Texas. That gives Texas even a leg up because they beat Alabama. <laughs> so if you're going to put Alabama in and you're and they knock off Georgia, that should open a spot for Texas in my mind. But there still has to be a spot, right? I mean, that becomes. You know, that's why I say I think the, the SEC is, is they're going to get one of those two teams in. Pac-12 is going to get one of those two teams in at this point. Michigan gets in with a win. You still need Florida State to lose to open up the fourth spot, Ty. Yeah, I mean, it so, just has to happen. So regardless of what happens in the SEC championship, there's not going to be a spot open from that angle. 
Correct. Correct. Uh, and you I still agree. need Florida State I, to I, lose. I, I agree. Even if you. Alabama wins, even if Alabama wins, I think it would put te- them ahead of Texas. But it doesn't. I mean, it would move Texas ahead of Georgia, but it doesn't them into the Final Four. No, not unless Florida State loses, um, because they, there's only four spots, and you'd have the Pac-12 winner, you'd have Michigan, you'd have either Georgia or Alabama in. And again, Alabama wouldn't go in ranked one; they'd go in ranked four. But there are only four spots in the party, so you got to win. You need, a, you need a spot to open up and a loss. And that's why people are arguing the Oregon thing, that um, you know, if Oregon even beats Washington, then Texas should still be ahead of them. I just, I just uh, as unfortunate as it may be for Texas fans, you just you can't expect that to happen. Because if Oregon wins, it's, it's going to even further uh, elevate what the committee thinks of Oregon, uh, whether it's fair or not. I mean, that's, that's, that's going to happen. So you're just rooting for Louisville. You need Louisville to knock off Florida State, and uh, you have to handle your business, and you can find your spot there. That's really the scenario that, that puts Texas in this thing. Um, and, and, or, because, you know, again, if, you root, if Washington beats Oregon, then Washington's taking that spot. You need a spot to open at this point if you're the Longhorns. And the only way that happens is, uh, you know, Michigan lose to Iowa. I don't think that's going to happen. But if Michigan were to lose to Iowa, well, then Iowa's not going. And that would open up a spot. But uh, that's the way it plays out. Kind of makes your head spin a little bit. But that's where we are uh, coming into this final weekend. And as I say, you know, it's unfortunate for Texas. They have a you know, huge year. They're back in this thing. They're in the conversation. Because we talked about yesterday with our friend Ari Temkin, you know, if you had told anybody at the beginning of the year that Texas would be 12-1, and a narrow loss to Oklahoma is the only L, a double-digit win at Tuscaloosa on the resume, of course they're in. In really any other year of the 10-year existence of the college football playoff, that team is a playoff team. This year, because there are eight teams still with a chance with, you know, one weekend to play, and there's a chance at four undefeated Power 5 conference champions, uh, that's why it's an outlier as far as this college football playoff situation would be. I will say this, Ty, that you, if you were looking next year at these same rankings before we get to a timeout, if, we were, if you were looking at next year at these rankings uh, and we were having a 12-team playoff, you realize Texas at seven, they would be playing a first-round matchup you know, if they you know, stay at seven, win the Big 12. Projected would be they'd be playing Penn State in a playoff game uh, in Austin uh, in a couple of weeks to get ready to possibly play Michigan in the, uh, in the next round uh, on the way. And that, 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 that's the 12-team scenario that we'll be looking at next year. Uh, all right, this says go undefeated. You don't have to worry about the mess. That's true. This says Texas fans have to be huge Louisville fans. No doubt about that. Um, the, uh, this says if we hadn't played like crap in half of our games, we wouldn't be ranked where we are. Well, that is also there's true. also that. I think you have to take that – look, I do believe that the committee believes the Pac-12 is a better conference, and I would agree with them. If you think the Pac-12 is a better conference, top to bottom, deeper, better quarterback play, better teams than the Big 12 this year, then, you know, you can say strength the schedule all you want, but I, would you agree the Pac-12 is no. a much deeper and better conference than the Big 12? No, I'd say they're about the same. See, I disagree. But maybe I think beginning, the, about, beginning of the year when Washington State and Oregon State and all these other teams were undefeated. I think undefeated. Washington State and Oregon State are good teams. I Washington really do. State I mean, won I like, the, ended up winning like five games, though. I don't even think well, they matter but who's, the, the question is who's good in the Big 12? Texas, And, and Texas struggled with – Oklahoma State. Uh, right, and, and Oklahoma State, Oklahoma beat Texas. And we'll find out. Texas hadn't played Oklahoma State yet. You can't use that as a resume point. Uh, point being, the teams that they've beaten are not as well regarded as the Pac-12 teams. And – um, the, the Longhorns, the, the, the conference itself is seen as down versus the Pac-12. 
whether that's reality or perception, that's how they see it, and Oregon is going to get the nod there. Uh, all right, it could go round and round. We'll talk about it with you. We'll come back with some What the Facts. Nick Shuley will join us. He'll be our guest host throughout the morning with Rod uh, in, the, in the protocols, and uh, Nick will always be great. We'll get his thoughts on all this stuff, too. We'll get your thoughts. Text line 512-447-3776. We roll forward on a Wednesday on Hook'em Up. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook Em Up, 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. Yeah, Longhorn fans frustrated. Uh, it's, it's kind of a uh, polar situation. You're excited to be back and back in the conversation, but frustrated that um, things are not working in your favor right now as far as the college football playoff committee. And we're trying to walk through it, explain it, and get your thoughts on it. A ton of uh, opinions. Uh, somebody texted, several people asked who was on this committee. Uh, it's, it's all public knowledge. It's a bunch of athletic directors and some former coaches. Book Oregon is the NC State athletic director. Uh, so he's a North Carolina guy. Uh, you got the Nevada athletic director, Kentucky's athletic director, Mitch Barnhart. Uh, Navy's athletic director, Chet Gladchuck, is on it. Jim Grobe, the former Wake Forest coach, is on that. That's a former coach. coach. Remember, he took over at Baylor when the Art Bryles mess came in, and Jim Grobe was the stand-in coach. Mark Harlan, Utah's AD, is on this uh, committee. The Michigan AD, Ward, uh, Ward Manuel, is on this committee. Um, David Saylor, the Miami of Ohio athletic department. The MAC is represented. Uh, just for, for his part of it. Uh, also, former Nebraska player Will Shields. Uh, K-State athletic director Gene Taylor. Remember, um, uh, Chris Del Conte was going to be on this committee. And then Texas announced their move to the Southeastern Conference, and they bumped him uh, because uh, the NCAA wasn't happy. And the college ball play with, the, with further, you know, moving the dominoes down the road and realignment. And so, uh, you know, Gene Taylor took his spot, the K-State athletic director. Joe Taylor, Virginia Union athletic director. Rod West, the former Notre Dame player. And Kelly Whiteside, a former college football reporter, who are the 13 members of the lists or of the committee. So there you go. Take it up with them. That's the best uh, we Take can it get. up with our man Nick. Sh- you know, that's who they got. And it's a rotating three years of service on that Where's thing. Where's Connelly's Arise at when you need her? Well, but, but think about that. The lost Dodds would be on this committee. He, he was going to be on. It was announced. And then they bumped him uh, when Texas and Oklahoma announced they're moving to the SEC. I guess they were mad. Wait, the lost Dodds uh, or, or uh, Crystal Conte? Okay, you said the lost CDC. Dodds. CDC. Yeah, okay, CD, yeah. I, I apologize for that. CDC uh, was going to be on that committee, and uh, now he's not. Might be help. I don't know. Uh, lobby for Texas because uh, uh, Longhorn fans. And I've told you this. Uh, you know, if the Longhorns win handily or win, even win the game on Saturday, you can expect – at that point, Steve Sarkeesian to go full bore, uh, full politicking for his team at that point because it becomes official the next day. Uh, all right, Nick Shuley is with us. Hello, Nick. How are you? Welcome to the uh, South Austin Onion Creek uh, abode. It's good to be here. Thanks for having me. Push that thing right up by your mouth. There you go. All right. Sorry. There you go. <laughs> Nick Shuley, of course, the uh, president of the Austin Music Movement, which uh, live music is a passion of his, but also a UT grad, also the founder of the Clark Field Creative and working heavily with the uh, Texas One Fund and the NIL space, and you were listening, coming over here, and uh, safe to say, not real happy. Man, I, like, you know what's funny is I saw, uh, I saw on Twitter last night the stuff popping up about, uh, about uh, Book Oregon talking about uh, Bo Nix's 78% completion percentage. And I thought it was Texas fans joking. I thought it was funny because, like, that, using that as a data point as to why Oregon would outrank Texas. And then I actually listened to that that interview last night and then heard it again this morning, and it just it really got me going. The completion percentage is now separating uh, not actual data points, which would be 
strength of schedule, quality wins, wins over bowl teams. You know, I mean, quite honestly, Texas, if you look at the, this, the metrics, the data points, the numbers, Texas has a top-four resume right now because of the win over Alabama. Uh, they have a better resume than Florida State, especially when you consider they're playing with a backup quarterback if you take health into account. Uh, but, you know, that's the, that's the real frustrating part for Texas. If Florida State wins and finds a way, I don't think there's any way they can keep out an undefeated conference champion, um, even with a backup quarterback. It's just it's never happened before. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and, like, that's the, the one data point that I don't get mad about is Florida State being ranked over us. Look, they took care of business. I, you know, I, I know there's a lot of factors. I did like what, what uh, Paul Feinbaum said of, like, I, I, I want the four best teams right now, and that's his criteria, right? And I think that's the key is clearly defining what your criteria is for having a playoff and they supposedly have that but it once again feels feels like when we had all these big 12 championships and scenarios where you know it just kind of felt like it was fluctuating and when you have that this this kind of gray area that's where all the chaos happens and, and honestly maybe that's what they want because listen we're all talking about it and we're all mad about it but but Florida State being undefeated I get it like they they took care of business we lost a game we shouldn't have lost to Oklahoma and that's that's why we're in this situation but I but I think when you actually look at all the data points that that the committee continues to say are the reasons that that you get in the playoff like this is Texas checks every box you know as, as long as I mean honestly as as long as Florida State loses there is no true argument to put Oregon over that except unless you remember that Bo Nix has a 78% completion percentage because that's that's what we decide based off of and mind you, if anyone's actually watched an Oregon football game, I, I would say uh, uh, 78% of their passes are behind the line of scrimmage anyway. So that's, you know, I'm, I'm not saying I could complete those, but it's, you know. <laughs> a lot of quick passes yeah, there, with Bo Nix. A, a lot of quick screens, a lot of things like that. So seven, that, that doesn't impress me as much, but congratulations on being number one in the nation based on that. <laughs> well, I'm reading this from the college football playoff website, okay? Uh, they have one. You can go read it all. Uh, their responsibilities include ranking the top 25 teams and assign top four to semifinal sites, assign teams to New Year's Six Bowls, create competitive matchups, attempt to avoid rematches of regular season games and repeat appearances in specific bowls. And the last data point there says consider geography. Yeah, it's all gray. Those are all great. Po- that's very political. Anyone that's worked in politics, those are very political or legal. Like it's, you could, there's a lot of gray area. Yeah, there is, uh, and there are. But the, you know, the word consider geography. That's, that's what I'm telling you. It, it, because people keep saying, make it make sense. There's a regionality to this. There's going to be a team from the Midwest. There's going to be a team from the South. Uh, maybe two with Florida State if they get in and Alabama, Georgia. Um, uh, you know, it, and then you know, there's going to be a team out west. And you said something to me when you walked in. Uh, that I can't disagree with at all. I mean, this started with Deion Sanders in Colorado. The Pac-12 hype yep. began in September when TCU lost to, to – you can also blame Sonny Dykes for having his team not ready to play <laughs> against a bad Colorado team. Now, they didn't have any tape. They didn't – that was the healthiest Colorado was. But they had no business losing that game. They, they played terrible. And that began the hype train of Deion Sanders in Colorado who went 3-0 and and then won one game the rest of the way. Yep. And aren't even played in a bowl. Uh, that pushed the, the – exposure of the Pac-12. The public perception changed at that moment. It really did. And, and look, I do think Oregon's a good team, but I did watch them play Texas Tech, and then I watched Texas play Texas Tech, and that wasn't the same. Yep. That was different. Oh, it, yeah. It's, I mean, it's athletes on the field, players, we're going to take eye test. I know it's a different football game, and it's three months later. But if you watch Texas, and I we recorded our Eyes on Texas podcast last night with my friend Mike Craven, 
senior writer at Dave Campbell's Texas Football. He might be one of the only people that was live for both games. He was in Lubbock to watch the game live and cover Texas Tech and, and Oregon. And then he was in Austin on Friday night to see Texas obliterate Texas Tech. Not the same teams. I totally Sorry. agree. And I, it, it's impossible that that common opponent – if you're trying to break a tie, find a common opponent. <laughs> I wish somebody played each other or had a common opponent. Oh, wait, all the facts are there for Texas. But did you know Bo Nix has a 78% completion oh, man, I percentage? Keep, keep forgetting about that. <laughs> but they look at everything. Don't worry. They look at everything. Look at the considered geography if you're really looking for the uh, looking for that. But uh, Longhorns can still get in. Hey, we can't lose focus on Oklahoma State. You've got to win that game. Totally we'll agree. talk about it coming up. Uh, Nick Shuley's hanging with us as our man Ty, uh, Rod recovers and gets better. We'll be back. Uh, hour one in the books. Four to go. I'll hook him up with Ian Rodby.